Podcast. Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce and you're listening to Who the Fuck? A show that explores the power of human connection and the profound resilience of the human spirit through compassionate conversations that help you better understand yourself so you can live with the sense of peace, purpose, and joy that you deserve. Each episode offers a safe space for guests to share intimate details of their personal journey and lessons learned along the way as we all seek to answer life's most important question. Who the fuck am I? Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce and you're listening to Who the Fuck. And on today's episode, I'm sharing the mic with Anne Hintz. And Anne is a fascinating human being with an amazing story of resilience as she's developed the ability to sense inside of her body and release physical tension stored in her connective tissue using solely the focus of her mind. Anne wants us all to know that we each have this incredible power within us and it just takes furthering those practices that we might even be already doing. So um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I think there's a lot of things to tackle. So we'll just dive right in and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I feel like there was such a great energy when we first met and learning more about what you've done to really take accountability for your own healing journey is quite beautiful. I think a lot of people, myself included, like to find excuses for not doing the work sometimes. And it's not that we don't desire to heal. It's that we don't necessarily know where to begin. And so what I really love about what you're doing is that you're opening up this idea of self-care to something that is more than, you know, going to the gym, getting more sleep, et cetera, but really dialing into those practices that help you feel more connected to your body, more connected to yourself. And so I would just love if you could share a little bit about how you got started on your journey and, and what exactly you're doing today. And then we can get kind of more into the nitty gritty of what exactly it is that you do and, and how that's helped you become more of who you are. Okay, that sounds good. Let's um let's jump in where I actually started doing the work because I think a lot of us are searching for something that works and we tend to maybe try something out and then we move on to something else because we think there's something more out there. <laughs> yeah, or we but, tried something and it didn't work, but maybe we needed to do it differently or do it longer or whatever that uh, series of events might be until we find the right thing. Right. So it started for me in my late 30s where I had a business altercation with a couple of other mothers at my boys' school. And they were very self-confident, self-assured, authority-type women. And I was a scared mother on the inside, and they had told me I'd done something wrong. And my mind just went out of control. It just spun over and over. You know, what they'd said, what I'd said, what I did, what I could have done differently, all these different scenarios. And I could not stop my mind spinning. It took about three days before I could actually calm down. And it was at that point I realized, okay, this is not normal. It's normal not sustainable, people. right? That's the hard part too, <laughs> is because you cycle so much on these things that feel really big to us, but ultimately don't carry enough weight that we should be holding on to it for that long. Right. It wasn't really a big deal. And I knew other people in my life who would not have reacted that way. <laughs> so that was kind of a big moment where I realized, okay, I really got to find something that works and I've got to do something different. I've got to change. 
So that was kind of the start, but I didn't know what to do at that point. It just happened that I was going to a doctor's appointment sometime in that time frame. And this was a holistic physician. So he had more tools in his toolbox than most mm-hmm. doctors do. And he asked me what my stress level was. And on a scale of zero through 10, I said it was an eight. And then he asked me why. And it was that question that made me realize, oh, it's finding my mother on the bathroom floor when I was 19. She was dead on the bathroom floor. And I'm now in my late 30s. So this is two decades before because the tears from that event were still just under the surface and it didn't take much to make them come over. And so he happened to know this technique that is called EFT, which is short for Emotional Freedom Technique. It's also called tapping because we're tapping on different places in our body as we're talking something through. And he tapped with me about my mother's death for about 15 minutes. And I came away from that appointment being able to tell the story in my mind for the first time ever without the tears there. That's really amazing. And I think such a testament to the importance of being open-minded when it comes to navigating our healing journeys. Because if you're not open-minded, you can remain really closed off to things that can be beneficial for you because of the world that we live in. People sometimes uh, discredit or maybe don't take seriously enough people who are holistic healers or who have different methodologies. And so what you're talking about is something that is widely known, but I also feel like there can be a lot of people hesitating to practice something like that without really understanding how it works or why it works. Oh, absolutely. EFT is very weird, right? Because we are tapping on our body and it it looks weird. And I didn't necessarily even believe it after that one experience with the doctor. I was a software engineer, you know, I, I like to know things really work and why they work before I invest time in them. Yeah. So that's what I did. I went home that day and I looked online. I tried to learn everything I could about it. The fact that it was developed by a chemical engineer actually made me feel better about it. <laughs> Yes, credibility is important. (laughs) That's right. Um, But I still wanted to try it out. I wanted to try it out and experience it for myself without my doctor doing it with me. So at the time, I had a 17-year-old cat at home, and his kidneys were starting to fail. And we were told we had to give him, actually, I was going to have to give him a daily saline shot, like an injection. And I hate injections. I hated them. And first time I did it, my hand was shaking so badly. I was not going to be able to do it every day and I had to do it every day. So I thought, okay, this is a great chance to try this technique out and see what it does. So I did. I tapped about every aspect of it, which is something you do with EFT. So I tapped about my hand shaking. I tapped about my fear of hurting my cat. And I tapped about all the memories from all the injections I had had in the past. That's interesting. Can I ask a question Uh then? How important is it with tapping to identify things sort of in that very um, almost like modular approach where you're like, it's this tap associated with this thing, tap associated with that thing. Is that to try to kind of encompass all of the feelings associated with whatever that anxiety or or stressor is? Right. Because they're all connected. Mm -hmm. All of those different aspects are connected to each other inside of us. Now, you're not always aware of them to begin with, right? So sometimes it takes conscious efforts to look for them, like all the memories around something that's happening now. And a lot of them are in your subconscious and might not come to mind straight away. They might come to mind as you're tapping. Mm -hmm. That often happens. 
So, but for this, it was fairly easy for me because it was such a small subject and, and I'd had a lot of injections. So I knew I was afraid of injections. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the next day when I gave him that shot, the needle just slid right in. My hand was not shaking at all. All that fear that had been sitting inside of me the day before had totally disappeared. And that's when I realized, first off, how powerful it is, but also that it's just energy. There's all those memories and those emotions are just energy that's stuck in the body and that we can let them go. And that that was huge for me. That was the beginning. I really love that you said, and we can let it go. And the thing is that it's not just the concept of letting it go, which I think we all kind of get very we hinge on that quite a bit. You know, you just let it go, let it go. A lot of people mistake suppression for letting go. Let it go, push it down, don't pay attention to it, right? It's not releasing it, which is really what you've focused on. I remember from our last conversation speaking to that, letting it go, releasing it, giving yourself space to process it. But in order to process it, you have to acknowledge that it exists. And I do feel like in my own experience and what I know about people in my life who either go to therapy or have refused to go to therapy is the hardest part can very much be knowing that you have to say it out loud, knowing that you have to admit what it is that you already know to yourself, to somebody else, to be able to work through it. And I was having this conversation with my wife the other day about I don't even remember what the what the topic was that we were discussing. And I said, well, maybe you should talk about that in therapy. And she said, well, I don't really understand why talking about this, like how does talking about it ultimately get you to a place where it helps? And she understands with some things why. She's very, very educated and, and informed on self-care and the importance of that type of personal growth. But I've been through a lot deeper traumas than she has. And so I was trying to explain, much like you just said, so many things live in our subconscious that it's like, if you don't talk about it, then you can't really connect the dots to the other parts that might actually be affecting you more than the thing that you see on the surface affecting you. And so I really appreciate that you acknowledged that right out of the gate here because our subconscious is super powerful. Our subconscious is huge too. We have no idea when we start down this journey, how big, how much is hidden underneath. But you're right, it, it will start coming up. And if you touch on it, it, so even if you talk about it out loud, even to yourself, you're kind of opening up that wound that is, that's inside and other connections will come up. Now, the thing about EFT, the tapping, I believe it's the physical aspect itself that is allowing the energy to release. So it's not quite the same as just talking about it. It works a lot faster if you're actually tapping out and allowing the energy to release from the nervous system, which is what it's doing. Yeah, that's really incredible. And the other thing that that just made me think as you were saying it is, I feel like a lot of people now are becoming more and more aware of how to regulate our emotions because we understand more about the nervous system and the way that the things that we're doing can help quell anxiety or um, boost our overall energy in certain situations to help manage that diverse, you know, sort of set of things that we're feeling at any point in time. I have a hammock under my desk 
that when I'm feeling really stressed out, I go under and I swing in my hammock because it gives you this like sort of like childlike feeling, right? You're kind of like back in the womb curled up in this. But I know that when I'm overstimulated and stressed out that a way for me to regulate my nervous system is to give myself some sort of physical relief by, you know, the motion that's happening while I'm swaying in the hammock. And I think when you speak about tapping, it's one of those things where it also forces you to be present in the moment. Is that uh, technically intended to be part of the technique is not just the physical act of tapping, but the fact that tapping also just inherently sort of puts you in the present moment? It kind of does put you in the present moment. And a lot of the times you're working on something from the past, right? But you're bringing it to the present moment by the use of words. Mm -hmm. So we'll retell a story that had emotion involved. So you're bringing it back to the present moment and you're releasing it from the nervous system. You have to you have to bring it back into the present moment to have those emotions come back up. So, so mm -hmm. while you are in the present moment, you're accessing the past. Yeah, it's it's very challenging. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I feel like from the conversation we'd had previously, you had mentioned that you went through an exercise of really writing down a lot of, I feel like you said basically everything that you could recall sort of in your life that might be contributing to the, to the way that it was affecting how you're showing up in the world now. Could you share a little bit more about what you did there and your experience in doing that and how the combination of that exercise coupled with EFT and I'm, I'm sure some variety of other uh, events in your life kind of came together to bring you on this healing journey? Sure. Well, when I started learning about EFT, I didn't really know about going to the past so much, except, except you know, I, a little bit with the doctor and such. But I started using it more on a day-to-day -day basis. And to be doing that, you have to become aware of your emotions during the day. Right? You have to say, okay, looking at me, I'm starting to get frustrated or I'm starting to get angry or whatever. Um, so that in itself takes some some work to to become aware of that. But then I would tap. I would acknowledge whatever the emotion was that I was feeling right then. And I would tap and I would bring myself back to the present and to peace, right? To, mm -hmm. to feel more peaceful. Now, the act of tapping is actually changing us on the inside, right? We're not suppressing it anymore. We're not pushing it down. We're actually acknowledging it and letting it, let it leave. So I was finding that as the weeks went by, I was becoming more peaceful on the inside, which was my goal, but I wanted it to happen faster, <laughs> I understand I, that. I really yeah. get that. <laughs> I was really enjoying the changes and I wanted it more and I wanted it quicker. It's kind so of I, addictive in that way, which is a beautiful thing when when you are actually on that journey and you're bringing these parts of yourself forward that you can acknowledge, let go, make peace with however it is. And to be able to really tangibly feel in the moment that it's working. Right. Yeah. And once I got to the conscious place where I realized, okay, that it's just stuck emotions, all these memories with all these emotions, it's just, it's stuck energy inside in the form of emotions and it will disappear, right? That experience with the cat made me realize, okay, I've just got to look at it, feel it and let it go. And it will then be gone. Once I, I could get my mind around that, then it became less scary to look at mm -hmm. my past. And so I knew there was this technique where you could go back and you could write everything down. So I, I took it a little further. I wrote down every emotional memory I could think of from my childhood. So the big traumas, but also the little ones, the phrases my dad would say, you know, like, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Those kind of things. Yeah. 
<laughs> and, and I would tap through one each night for about an hour to an hour and a half each night. And that's when things really started to shift rapidly. And I, I just became less reactionary. Right? So because I was left reactionary and more peaceful on the inside, it kind of spread to my family as well. Mm-hmm. So the whole energy of everything in the household changed. And I remember opening my door one day, the kitchen door, and just saying to myself, it just feels like I'm living in a different reality because my mind, which used to be so busy, used to be critical and judgmental of myself and others, and I hated that, it became quiet. The voices in my mind had been my dad's voices, my dad's words that had been programmed inside of me as a child, and I just replayed them over and over again until they were no longer there. And it was only once they were no longer there that I could look back and say, oh, that's what they were. Mm-hmm. But it felt so different. I'd never experienced peace of that level before. When we had spoken about this originally, I remember having a little bit of a dialogue about that moment where you realize that you're at peace and how blissful it can be. And that we sort of live in this world where we sort of, we do live in this world where obviously there's a lot happening around us and there's so many things that we can't control. And the thing that I find with the type of work that you're talking about and just overall being on this healing journey of my own is that when you can feel the results actually bettering your life, it just makes it so much more viable. And to be able to acknowledge those things that we've held on to for so long, things that we sort of just accept it as part of who we are, but you realize that you can actually decouple yourself from them. And it's not to say that you're ignoring that they happen. In fact, quite the opposite. You're very much acknowledging that they happen and you're giving yourself the gift of freeing yourself from some of the things that are traumatic in your life as much as you can. And what I think is really impactful about what you said with your relationship with your father is those things that sort of stick in your head as, I mean, as adults, right? It's that whole idea of going back to your inner child and like, what do they need from you and how can you help them so that you now can be a better version of yourself that you want to be, that you prefer to be. And I really relate to you in that way because I was super reactive and very impulsive with my anger. And I would always be told, think before you speak, which was really not the pattern of behavior that I had for a very long time. And so as I've gotten older and also been more conscious of the response when I get angry like that, or if I'm reactive, it's like, I don't like the way I'm making other people feel either. So like, it really, as you pointed out, has this profound ripple effect because not only are you showing up better for yourself with that sense of peace and calm and and those ruminating thoughts are, you know, either non-existent or, or virtually non-existent, you've now kind of given a gift to the people around you to, to see what it can be like to have your energy in a more magnetic and positive place. And so like with your family, is that something that as you've been going through this journey and and doing what you have to heal your yourself, have they grasped onto these ideas and these concepts as well? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> you're like, nope, I'm out here on the <laughs> island. <laughs> They're like, but you're in a much better mood. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and they know what I do 
they have not had the traumas that I had, right? So they didn't need to do the work that I needed to do. It right. needed to be me. I had I had two boys. I have two boys. <laughs> um, but when I was young, I was sent to boy, a boys boarding school when I was age nine, nine through 11. And I was teased mercilessly by these boys. I was the only girl boarder for the first year. So all the other day girls went home and I was left with all these boys to be teased. And so I had a natural aversion to boys age nine to 11. But my boys were growing up. I had to do something. I had to get through that before my boys got to that age. So I kind of had a timeline. Mm -hmm. Well, I really respect that you acknowledged and understood that about yourself too. And because there are plenty of people who don't, right? Like I think of parents that I know that have allowed their unhealed trauma to drastically impact the lives of their kids, their family, whomever they're in a relationship with, things like that. So really a lot of credit to you for being able to see what the downstream impact of that would be if you didn't take the lead on it. Because listen, everybody's kids are going to have something to talk about in therapy. You got to like chop that list down as much as you can. Yes. (laughs) So one of the things that I was thinking about as well um, as I was preparing for the episode was this idea of taking responsibility for your own healing, which you sort of just said, right? It was like, you knew that you had to do it. And if you didn't do it, then who else would? And so I think there's this sort of idea that I was toying with, and I wanted your thoughts on around how important it is to be expressive as opposed to suppressive. And like, we've been taught in society that it's not, let's put it this way. I think we're evolving and in many ways have evolved past this, but I look at my parents who are boomers and their parents who are like, you know, the depression era generation. So there was a lot of you don't need to talk about it. You know, it's the past. Move on from it. Like we just, you know, we're we're living in the now and that's what matters. But there's this inability, I think, um, or there was this inability to really understand the emotional impact of that suppression. And so we talked a little bit about like where you're feeling it in your body. And so could you elaborate like a little bit about how how you've come to acknowledge the importance of knowing where you feel it in your body and how Um, That sort of shifted the way that you think about your healing journey. Yeah, let's go back to, I want to go back to a couple of things that you said. So that suppression, when we suppress it, all these things, you know, we're told not to think or feel, it doesn't go anywhere. It stays inside. If we've thought it, if we felt it, if we've experienced it, it lives inside of our body. So suppressing it doesn't make it go away. It's still affecting us because it's inside of us. So when you were talking a little bit ago about um, your reaction, your anger reaction, you had these thoughts. At that point, I would catch those thoughts however negative they are, and I would work with them. So I would tap, right? So that's a slightly different way than a lot of people talk about this kind of work because we often think that we shouldn't be feeling what we're feeling or thinking what we're thinking. But if we are, it's inside of us. So we want to acknowledge it. We don't necessarily want to express it, right? We don't want to be angry with someone. But if we're angry or if we're feeling or thinking thoughts that are angry thoughts, if we acknowledge them, 
and tap maybe or um, you know whatever technique you're using, but allow them to be acknowledged and felt, they will disappear out of the body. So can I ask a question real quick? Because I, I don't want you to forget what you were going to say. And I know I jumbled a lot of questions together. But so I'm watching you tap. So some people might just be listening, but this will be on YouTube also. So is there a specific method for tapping that is like required to follow? Or is there are there like varieties of ways to do it? There are specific tapping points and the, okay. they are the ends of meridian systems from the, the Chinese medicine point of view. So it's like a bit of like acupressure. Okay. Tapping on those points. So yes, specific points. And is it does it have to be done sequentially in a certain way? Um, it normally is. There is a sequence. So, you know, it's easy to remember because it's down the body. So you just go down and round. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you for that detour. <laughs> You're welcome. And it's very easy to learn. You can learn it in five minutes. Right. Awesome. So, um, and it's free. So <laughs> there's no well, excuse. You have a YouTube channel too, right? I do. And have a video on there that explains exactly how to do it. So yeah, we will put that in the show notes. <laughs> okay. So let's go back to the body. So as I did more and more tapping, I became more and more aware, right? As my subconscious mind was opening up, my awareness expanded. So when I started this journey, I was not aware. I didn't know how I felt. I didn't know my emotions because I'd suppressed them for so long. But as I kept tapping over and over and doing my childhood and stuff, my awareness expanded. So I became aware of the physical sensations underneath the emotions, right? So let's just think about that for a moment. So if we somewhat see someone in the distance and we can tell that they're sad or depressed, we're seeing the way they're holding their body. We're seeing the tension inside of their body. We can become aware of that in ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if we're feeling afraid of something, we're actually holding tension in our body. And at some point, you can become aware of where you're holding that tension. Now, to begin with, most people are not. I certainly was not. Um, it took doing this work to become aware at that deeper level. Yeah, I I can relate to that because it wasn't until I did EMDR therapy that I understood that I needed to pay attention to where I was feeling it in my body. And that was, I will say, doing it. Um, I don't know if EFT is like this when you first start, but with EMDR, it felt like getting hit by a truck after doing it. The, like for the first session, I just remember being like, oh my God, that was just emotionally exhausting because you're processing a lot at the same time. <laughs> yes. EMDR is very similar to EFT. Um, in, in I think in the way I've never had EMDR, but I've heard that it's very similar. EFT you can do on, on your own more easily, but they're both very powerful. And yes, sometimes people get very tired from doing it. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electricast. Mm -hmm. one, that's one of the great things about EFT for me as, as an engineer, perhaps, but maybe for everyone, is it provides feedback. Your body tells you it's releasing energy. And for many people, it's yawning. A lot oh, of people will burp. 
Um, a lot of people will sigh. Some people will get very, very tired. And obviously tears are always a release of resistance. So it's really nice to get that feedback, to know that something is happening. And mm-hmm. that was one of the things I liked about it. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. I appreciate you mentioning that. And I think one of the things just real quick was when I think about what you've described for EFT and what I think about with EMDR is that part of the the work is really repeating what it is that you're sort of analyzing as you're going through the process. Because you were saying, you know, you would take a memory and kind of focus on that, let's say for an hour or something. And, and the intention is to be dedicated to that in the moment so that you are working through it and you're not kind of just jumping from thing to thing. Is that correct? Right. You're trying to, you're using the words to focus your attention on something. Mm-hmm. Now, to begin with, you might be focusing it on a memory. Right. Right. But as your awareness gets deeper, you can focus it on an emotion or you can focus it on the physical sensations inside the body, right? That's getting to a deeper. It's all working on the same thing because the memories are stored in the body, but we access it through different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for elaborating on that. Um, So go on, you were speaking about like kind of finding that physical sensation. Right. So once I got, became aware of the physical sensations underneath the emotions, I was actually in a group at the time and we, it was a group studying a course in miracles, which is not particularly relevant, but the, the guy who kind of led this group every week, he would say, it's not about feeling your feel. I mean, it's not about meditation. You don't have to meditate. It's all about feeling your feelings. But when I started in this group, I hadn't done the EFT work, but I was kind of doing it um, parallel to this group. Okay. And he would say this every week, but I didn't know what feeling your feelings meant. Until I got to the place where I did, right? Until I became aware of the physical sensations. And then one day I thought, okay, he says it every week, right? So it must mean it. <laughs> I still can't believe I never asked him you know, to explain it. But anyway, one day I decided, okay, let me try and feel my feelings. What does that even mean? I didn't know what it meant, but I was aware of the sensations. So I was doing this actually while I was doing the dishes at the kitchen sink. I would find myself thinking a thought that had emotion. So it might be something as simple as I'm afraid of making a phone call. So then I would stop doing the dishes and and I would focus on that fear, which for me would be in my solar plexus. Now, I found in order to really focus on that fear, that sensation, I actually had to hold myself like a statue and I had to stop my breath, not take a deep breath, but just hold it where it was when I could feel that fear. And then I would just stand like a statue and, and talk. I would actually talk to that fear in my mind. Okay, I'm, I can feel I can feel this fear sitting there in my solar plexus. I can feel you. I just want to feel you because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to feel my feelings. I'm not trying to change it in any way. I'm just trying to feel it, to acknowledge it, to accept it. And then, of course, I'd have to take a deep breath and I'd feel that fear again. I would think the thoughts. I'm afraid of making this phone call. I would feel that fear and notice that it had shifted somewhat. It was not as intense. So then I would think the thought again, feel it again. And I'd keep doing it over and over, just like we were talking about with the EMDR, until there was no longer any fear left. Mm-hmm. And it was it was huge. It's like, okay, now I can make the phone call and there's no fear there. I also appreciate how relatable that part of it is because I hate making phone calls and I'm sure many other people don't want to make them either. And so it's a really accessible way 
to be like, let me try it out without going deep down the rabbit hole of all of my trauma, right? It's like, just give yourself space to sit with it. Right. And if you can't do that, you can tap on it, right? You can use EFT and tap on, I'm afraid of making this phone call. Mm -hmm. It's it's working through the same process, just, you know, just at a different level, different level of awareness. Mm -hmm. So now I've done all my childhood, right, with EFT. So now in the evenings, I would lay on the sofa and I would feel the feelings of all these stuck collective traumas that we've been through. You know, things like 9-11, the Loma Prieta earthquake I was in, the tsunami, Mm -hmm. all the big things that had happened that I'd seen on television, right? I had my own experience of seeing different things, feeling different things. So I would just lay on the sofa and just feel and just allow this stuck energy to release because it would. (laughs) So over time, and of course it felt it felt really good because you're releasing all tension. So like you said, it's almost addictive in some ways. <laughs> um, things would improve, you know, my my life would get easier. I'd feel lighter during the day, just it was, became more fun. And eventually it got to the place I could put my awareness inside my body after the tension had released, which was very different. It was very weird. I've never heard of it before. Had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> But it was fun. So I thought, Do you feel okay, like you were well, just kind of going with it? You're like, I'm just going to yeah. see what happens. Right. I just had fun. So I've done it once. Could I do it again? Right. Because I would be focusing inside, the tension would release, and then my mind would bring my focus outside. You know, I'd look at the dog or some other thought would come up and my my awareness would come back outside. Mm-hmm. So then I, okay, can I, can I go inside again? And I, I found that I could. And I could move my awareness around inside. I could find a place with tension versus no tension. So I would find a place with tension and I would just focus on it. I would just feel it. The same thing that I was doing with the feeling, the feelings, almost the same thing as EFT, but now at a deeper level of awareness. And when I hold my focus there long enough, I could feel a release of the tension. So then I just keep doing it again and again. And I would notice that things would shift. Now, eventually, and this took many, many months, I could put my awareness inside my head. And that was that was huge for me because there was so much pain and tension in, inside my head. I had no idea it had been there before. And I think it had been there my whole life because I was born with my right foot up against my shin and my whole body was twisted. and. I could feel that tension inside my skull bones and my cheek, especially my cheek. And I was like in my 50s at this point, and that tension had been there my whole life sitting in my subconscious. I had not been aware of it until this point. And that's when I realized how much we store inside of us that we're just not aware of. Really, it's it's incredible to hear too. I have a variety of questions <laughs> after that. So um, I'll kind of work backwards for a second. So with regard to um, what you described as um, you said your foot was basically pressed up against your shin essentially. Yeah. And so were you, as you were saying, you were acknowledging these feelings that you had and, and this other stress in your body and tension that you were feeling. How did you come to the place where you were able to correlate those things? <laughs> Because I realized that the tension was held in the connective tissue. I didn't know that really until I was working inside my cheek and just holding my awareness on the pain. 
And at some point, I actually heard and felt something release. And it felt and sounded like old fabric ripping. Wow. I, I was a little concerned that I was hurting right, myself. Right. <laughs> but that's when I did some research and I realized, okay, that's an adhesion in the connective tissue that is releasing. So that's when I realized I'm actually focusing through the connective tissue. And as I would release something in my cheek, I could feel it all the way down in my right foot. Wow. That's really fascinating. And it's, is that something that when you first started doing EFT or, or just kind of even going on your healing journey at all, that you had any inkling that you were really holding on to? No, no idea. No idea. It was really organic then. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Once we get to a certain point, I think along this journey, um, it just, it, it just flows. We're, we're I'm kind of, I'm not exactly told, but I know what to do next. So I'm just shown the next area of tension, right? I feel inside, okay, where is the most tension or the most pain right now? And I will focus on that. Mm -hmm. And it might not release there, right? I, I still have some pain in my left cheek and I will focus on it, but the release will happen in my neck. Mm. So we're shown, I believe, where to focus on next, I think it's an element of intuition also, right? It's intuition, trust in yourself, your body, knowing that we do have some element of control over that. I think control is maybe not the best word, but we can influence that. And, you know, I think one of the things that it also made me wonder was when you feel that release, did you notice in general, sort of an overall improvement in that sort of sense of peace that you had as well? Um, because I mean, I think when it physically manifests, that can definitely be a little bit different than very conscious thoughts that you're having. I mean, obviously different than the conscious thoughts that you're having sometimes, but because you had not really made that correlation of the conscious thoughts to the physical energies that you were feeling and then that release happened. Um, I guess, what was your psychological experience sort of ar around that release? Well, to begin with, you know, on the first part of this journey, I had no idea there was a physical aspect to it. I, right. I, did, I didn't know the physical was changing along with it. Mm -hmm. but, but once I became aware of my, of the physical sensations underneath the emotions at that point, I realized, okay, there is a physical aspect to it. And, and then it became obvious, right? But and each yeah. each time there is a release, I know I'm actually feeling more at peace. I'm feeling more balanced because I actually believe that there's a physical balancing happen, right? I, yeah. You know, I, my balance is my, you know, my ability to balance like on one foot is so much better. But my physical aspect is also becoming more balanced. My, I have a long way to go. My face is not at all balanced, but it's more than it was. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so there is releasing of tension happening in my bones at this point, right? I can feel my bones move and it's allowing my skull to become more physically balanced. So it's yeah. all connected. Yeah. And something that you had said before too that really sticks out to me is the idea of really feeling your feelings. We talk about it a lot, I think, more now, excuse me, than we have historically as a society. But one of the things that I experienced when I was in therapy, and this is general talk therapy, but was having my my therapist say to me, 
you're intellectualizing your feelings. You're not feeling your feelings. So that kind of blew me away because I've always seen myself as a really emotionally aware person. And therefore I assumed that I, I was, I was feeling my feelings. (laughs) Um, But the thing that I was really surprised, and I think ultimately now after doing enough of the work, happy to learn is that just knowing that you have those emotions is not inherently feeling them. Like we oftentimes acknowledge it and then sort of zip past it. And I'm definitely prone to this in conversations where it's like, I don't want to talk about something because it makes me uncomfortable. So I'm going to like glide by that. And then if somebody wants to bring it back around, then maybe we'll talk about it. But I think that we sort of have acknowledged that you have to go that layer deeper. You have to be willing to not just see it for what it is at the surface, but you need to understand sort of what the root uh, it what's at the root of all of that and i feel like part of getting to the place that you've gotten to ann is being willing to sit with that discomfort of not knowing what's going to come up what's going to happen when you start feeling those feelings so do you do you feel <laughs> um do you do you believe that it has gotten maybe easier or I guess we'll just go with easier, but choose whatever version of easy that is to you for you to feel your feelings because there's less hesitation about like the ambiguity and the like, well, I don't know what's going to happen and more of an acceptance of whatever I feel I'm going to feel. Absolutely. It's almost like an unwinding, right? It gets Mm -hmm. exponentially easier to do as you go along. Definitely. Now, what, what you were saying about you know, intellectualizing, knowing the emotion that you're feeling, that is the first step, right? You have to go through that step, right? And that was, that's what EFT does. You can use the emotions you're feeling with EFT without being able to feel at a deeper level, right? But actually doing the work with EFT will get you to that deeper level, Mm -hmm. right? So if you have the words, right, if I'm feeling angry, I can tap on I'm feeling angry, even if I don't yet know where I'm holding that anger. Interesting. So more of the verbal acknowledgement to say, okay, this is happening, but I don't necessarily have like, the all of the equipment that I need to, to complete the task, so to speak. Right. If you don't know where you're feeling anger, you, you can't really do, you can't really feel the feelings, right? If you don't know where you're holding it. So if you just know that you are feeling angry and you tap on that, you tap using the phrase, I'm feeling angry or I'm angry about this, that or the other. And you just keep using those words. You're accessing the anger, even though you don't know where you're holding it. And as you do it more and more, you will become aware of where you're holding it. Mm -hmm. Well, I love the way that you explain that too. It's really helpful. I feel like you just do a really great job of making things very palatable. Um, because it is quite simple to do, right? And the act is quite simple to do, naming it, tapping those things. But it is the combination of those those healing modalities and just overall expression that gives that cumulative result of what that piece feels like. And I think sometimes it can be really daunting 
to think like, okay, well, if I start doing one thing, then I have to, you know, I have to unravel the next thing and the next thing. And I would say to some extent, you know, not even to some extent, I think it's important for people to acknowledge like what their threshold is to be able to um, go down that path of certain events that may have happened and taking their time with that and not feeling pressure to to get to the next thing. Um, I'm like you where I'm like, it's working more faster, better. You know, um, that could also be the software, um, the, the tech people in us where we're like, iterate, 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 right? Like just get the next version out there. Um, but what would you say to somebody who who maybe is interested, but is feeling a little bit unsure of, you know, just kind of what the impact to them will be and, and nervousness maybe around what could come up? Well, definitely things will come up, right? That that's That's going to happen. But what's stored inside is affecting us. It is like dis-ease that is sitting inside of our body and we're just letting it sit in there and fester, right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be better to open up that wound and to clean it out and to let it heal. It's then not going to be affecting us in our future, right? Because if it's sitting inside as dis-ease, it is going to be affecting our future. I think of us as our signal, a signal, right? The whole of us is emitting a signal and that we attract into our future based on our signal, right? So if we're perfectly peaceful, we're attracting perfect peace into our future. Mm -hmm. But if we've got this dis-ease sitting inside of us from our past, that is part of our signal. And that is attracting into our future. That is why we tend to replay the same kind of um, things over and over again, right? The same type of relationships keep coming back over and over again because it's stuck in us. It's part of our signal from our past and we keep bringing it up. We keep emitting that signal, attracting it back into our future. And so to change that signal, we have to go and look at it. We have to clean it out so it's no longer part of our signal. We're smiling. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I just had an epiphany. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I love the way that you explained that. And because I actually just had a moment today at work that I needed to discuss with my boss feedback that he was giving me. And it was totally reasonable. I just in general have anxiety around any sort of authority figure telling me something good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't matter. Um, I am also working on that actively in therapy. But um, more specifically, it's like we we kind of attract those things or we repeat those cycles that we you know, don't necessarily prefer but it's like something in my body and I could feel it. I knew having this conversation with him and even before that, having this conversation with my team that I had to have about some of the feedback that I was given to kind of acknowledge and be accountable to something I should have done differently was causing me a great deal of stress. And then I just had this moment where I was like, if I carry this stress into the conversation, I'm going to perpetuate that stress for everybody else too. And I don't like that. I don't want it to be that way. And so I think really driving home that point of, we have to allow ourselves to look at it. And I love the analogy that you gave of cleaning out that wound because yes, it totally manifests in our personal relationships. It also, as I just mentioned, can manifest in our professional relationships. And it seems so foolish to compartmentalize those things when ultimately like the impact is really circulating through any area of your life. And so whether or not it's, 
directly related to a work trauma or a personal trauma or something else. Like these things have a way of coming up whether we want them to or not. And so don't you kind of want to have the ability to say, I chose to bring this up, not this shit's just like in my face because I've been avoiding it for so long. You know, it's like we're being given the choice. And when it sort of ekes out in these other ways, it's because we should be addressing it, but we're not. Right. It's showing up so that we can look at it. And we're like, go away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm really working with politics hard to see if it will go away. (laughs) Oh, okay. I would love to join you on that journey. (laughs) (laughs) But what's repeating is the feeling, right? So when you're going into your boss and he's an authority figure and he's telling you something, it's that feeling that's inside of you. That's what you ask. So what does that remind me of? What does it remind me of from my childhood? When did I first feel that way? Mm-hmm. And that is what is repeating. It's yeah. that feeling. It's not this, you know, it's not those same people. It's someone like it possibly, but it's that that's the signal. It's that stuck emotion. It's the signal. Mm-hmm. Well, now I have a lot to think about, um, but we won't we won't go down that rabbit hole at this exact moment. This could be a long, long episode. Um, but yeah, you're right. And I one of the things that I felt really challenged by when I first started therapy, too, was this idea of going back to childhood and insisting that that wouldn't be what it was because I had parents who loved me and I was given a lot of opportunity, et cetera. But the thing that I think a lot of people fail to realize, especially if they're not, you know, educated, whether that's self-educated or in a field where they have the knowledge, whatever it might be, that so much of it stems from your childhood and it doesn't have to be some sort of drastic, really heightened trauma that you're aware of. It can be things that seem very small, but when you're a child and you have a very limited view of the world, those small things are very big things, especially during your formative years, zero through six, like when you're building your attachment styles, things like that. And so if we, you know, it's, I would really love to see younger generations. And I think this is happening, but I like to see them start to grab onto some of these concepts psychologically and physiologically sooner than we did. Because, oh my gosh, how freeing would that have been to be in our 20s and be like, I just let that shit go. Look, we're in a good place. The whole world would be better. And I, and I think that's something that you and I had spoken about originally too. It's it's healing our individual selves to create a better collective. Um, can you share your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I do believe this this work can change the world. I have a question about the younger generation in that I think we sometimes have to develop our signal. <laughs> I, I, that's fair. That's totally fair. I actually, I agree with you hundred percent on that. <laughs> right. So when we're ready to actually do the work, you know, for me, it wasn't until my late thirties and I'm finding that with a lot of people I talk to. It's like, same, but yeah, they have to get to the place where they're ready. But like you, I'm hoping the younger generation is going to be ready much faster than we were. But I do think as we change our signal, we're attracting based on our signal, right? So the more of us do this work and become at peace on the inside. We're attracting peace into our world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and what better time for that work to be happening than now? I I think it can be disheartening when we consider the amount of war and hate and all those things being spewed in a time when 
I think more than anything, we need a sense of community and we need a sense of that collective healing. And when you were speaking about these other events um, that have sort of had a globally traumatic impact or or regionally, whatever it might be, COVID's a really good example. We were all deeply traumatized by that experience. It was a global pandemic. It's like people, the world changed entirely. And we had little to no control over that. And to feel like we can just walk away from all of that and nobody's holding on to any of it is absurd. And I think it would be really beneficial for us as individuals and as a society to acknowledge that it's not just the way that we work changed, the way that we interact with people in public changed, but it's also the way that we express ourselves has changed and the things that we find to be important have changed. And if we can give ourselves some some space to really think about what it looks like for us to do that as a like a unit within humanity i feel like there's so much upside and so much opportunity again like you related to politics i feel like there's a whole mess of stuff that needs to be broken down and built back up um so that notwithstanding i do think there's this sense of enhanced consciousness that people have and regard for one another that really came to the forefront as a result of seeing so many people actively suffering and not being able to kind of make ends meet um, at this point in time. So like when you think about that idea of collective healing, do you see this as something that is, I mean, I feel like it's something that has been practiced, like EFT, things like this have been practiced for a, a decent amount of time, but Do you have any thoughts on how maybe, and this is a very loaded question, so if you don't, it's fine. Um, Do you have any thoughts on how might we be able to bring people together in a way to acknowledge like the emotional impact of doing this type of work um, for the greater good of humanity? I feel like you have thought about this, but I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the way the way that you've described just your your excitement about this I feel like you've got you've got thoughts <laughs> yes well the key aspect is that we can't change other people and we have to take responsibility ourselves so if that's what we're feeling right if we're feeling emotion around COVID or anything that's happening right now the best thing that we can do is do our own inner work mm-hmm. feel those emotions and let them go because we cannot change how other people do it. I mean, I'm hoping down the road I may have EFT tapping groups about more collective things. Oh, that's cool. But but at the same time, I will be doing it to release it inside of me more at a deeper level than I've done already. Yeah, because, yeah. Because that is the taking responsibility. A lot of us want other people to do the work or they want to blame other people because it's so easy to do. Right. But it's really us that has to do the work. I mean, because if I'm feeling annoyed that no one else is doing the work, that annoyance is living inside of me. And that's what I need to work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I 100% agree with you on that. And I really like the idea of doing collective group tapping type of things like that, whether it's events or groups or whatnot, because I think it's also probably helpful for people to have exposure to that, even in a group setting where there's just sort of a sense of community around it and giving more of more visibility into the benefits of it, especially if you're seeing other people go through that process as well. Do you feel like when you were starting with EFT, 
Did you know other people who were also doing it? Um, a little bit, but mostly online. There's a lot of people who do it online. Um, yeah. There's a lo- lot of people use scripts. I don't necessarily encourage scripts, but it's useful to try it out. But mm-hmm. it's nice to know, if, like if you were doing a collective event, I'm, I'm going to do this at an event that's coming up soon. I'm going to have people choose the collective trauma they want to work on and, w- and we'll tap on that. But first we will write down all the thoughts people have about whatever it is. And it, it's good, I think, for other people to realize, okay, we all have similar thoughts. Definitely. Okay, to Definitely. acknowledge that and then tap on them, right? Allow them to be felt, to be acknowledged, and then to let them go. So from that point of view, I think group tapping would be good. Yeah, that's really incredible to think about how people could benefit from that type of interaction. And I like the idea of writing it down so you have a sense of sort of what you're what you're working with and and being able to really identify what it is that that people are holding on to because I think that gets back that really gets back to naming it right like you can't heal what you don't know or don't understand and so for you to be able to go on this journey you need to identify what it is that you're working with (laughs) you need to give yourself space and time to sit with that and as you said the the really critical part of this is feeling it like what is happening in your body when you're experiencing these emotions and try as hard as you can not shy away from that. And if you feel like you're meeting your limit, give yourself grace. You're allowed to meet your limit. I mean, there are moments where I'm like, I'm just not doing this right now. Like I know that I'm having big feelings and I need to acknowledge this at some point, but now is not the time I have things I need to do. And it sometimes requires us to draw the line in the sand, even when the emotions are coming up so that we can go back to it with the right amount of attention. Right. And especially with EFT, because it looks so strange, right? You, you're unlikely to do it out in public. I mean, but... I don't know. I'll probably be out there doing it now that we've had this conversation. <laughs> well, people do, but you could wait until you you know, had a chance to go to the bathroom, maybe and tap. And like, if you're at work, right, and someone has said something you don't like, you could just pop to the bathroom or close the door of the office and, and just tap for a moment and just bring yourself back to a peaceful place and then just carry on. So it can be done many ways. One thing I just wanted to come back to from something you said is a lot of times, at least early on, we're in, we're in, we are in our mind, right? We're intellectualizing, we're mm-hmm. putting words to it. As we go through this process, as we become aware of the physical sensations, we're actually coming out of the mind and we're in the body and it's very different and you will recognize it when it happens because it feels very different. You're not thinking, you're feeling. It's like, well, how does your right big toe feel right now? Right? If you feel it, yeah. you're not thinking. You're actually feeling. Right, so, right. So that's the difference. And that will come as you move along this. Well, now I'm thinking about how my right big toe feels. <laughs> my left big toe is falling asleep because I'm sitting cross-legged. <laughs> <laughs> but you're aware of it. So that's good. Yes, correct. <laughs> well, and as we're rounding out the conversation here, first of all, thank you so much for joining me. This has been delightful, informative, so insightful. And as I'm saying that, I know that this was something I really wanted to make sure that we tackled before we zip off the um the call is you had said something in our first meeting, and I can't remember exactly, so I was hoping you'd be able to articulate it for me, is the idea of awareness being really that insight into ourselves. 
um, and your your perspective on that and how that insight can help shape the way we're showing up in the world. Yeah, insight is an interesting word, isn't it? <laughs> I've done a lot of research on that word insight because in my experience now, the way we use it is not the actual original way it was meant because I can now see inside my body, right? Mm-hmm. I can sense inside my body. And I believe that's the original meaning of the word insight as in that would make sense. sight. Yes, inward sight. Yes. So when we have that, and I'm only saying this because it's something I've attained and didn't have before, right? We can see life from a different perspective, right? And it's pretty weird to be able to see inside your body, but then now I have an understanding of what's happening outside of me because I have this understanding of what's happening inside of me, right? So it is a very different way of looking at life and it's it's new to me. I really like it. It's a depth to life that I did not know was available before, right? We don't know what we don't know. That's this whole this whole process is becoming aware of things that we didn't know before. Right. So there, there's this huge depth to life that is, it feels great. It's, it's, it's just more to life, right? I can feel into things. I can feel into colors. I didn't know that before. I didn't know that was possible. So there's just so much more to life now. And I want people to know that because there's so many people who are depressed, right? Youngsters who are committing suicide because they don't think there's anything worth living for. Mm-hmm. But if you go through this process, right, and you become aware at this deeper level, there is so much to life to enjoy, and uh, it's absolutely worth doing to get there. Your perspective is so beautiful, Anne. And I really appreciate you ending on that note because you're absolutely correct. The phrase that you use that I truly adore is the depth of life. And it's very easy for us to stay on the surface because it feels safer there. And at the same time, it is so limiting to to stay in that place. And You've just, I think, really wonderfully explained the benefits of committing to yourself and, as you said, being responsible for for your growth and for your evolution. And I just really appreciate this time that we've had. So can you tell folks where they might be able to find out more about you? I know, um, as we said, you have a YouTube channel. Make sure that's in the show notes. But anywhere else that people can find information or follow you? Sure. I have my website, anhints.com. Um, which my store has just opened. So I have some of my artwork merchandise. On oh, that awesome. Store, which is really fun. <laughs> but also the one thing we didn't t- touch on, which is like one of the biggest things is like my skull bones have changed. So you can see the x-rays on my website of the um, before and after of my skull bones changing and becoming more aligned. And also we've got to say that I've grown three quarters of an inch. This is for no other reason, people. (laughs) (laughs) We tend to shrink as we get older because we're we've got that burden that we're carrying around with us all the time. So if we release that burden, we're actually releasing ourselves, I think, to be our natural height, the height we should have been if we hadn't been carrying this burden around. So um, that's it's definitely worth doing for that point of view. Um, So I have my website. Um, I'm also fairly active on Facebook. And I'm. Uh, you can contact me there. Awesome. I do do a live call on on Zoom, but through you can access it through YouTube. Um, every week, every Tuesday at eleven o'clock Pacific Standard Time, and happy to talk to anybody then. Amazing, and thank you so much for your time and for your 
wonderful energy and just educating me and listeners on your practices and just showing up in the world in such a beautiful way. It really has been such a delightful conversation and I'm excited to have had the opportunity to share the mic with you. Thank you. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Who the Fuck. And if you like what you hear, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated. And you can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content. Plus, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at whothefck underscore pod to keep up to date with what's new in my world and for exclusive bonus content. Catch you on the flip side. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's my name is Prince Daniels Jr. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Welcome, explorers of the human experience. This is Let's Talk Soul, and I'm your host, Claudia Monicelli. We're not afraid of the great mysteries of existence here. Soul versus consciousness, we're on it. Spirituality versus science, we've got that covered too. Join us in navigating these profound topics with wisdom, curiosity, and a dash of audacity. Whether you're a spiritual veteran or just starting your journey, Let's Talk Soul is your passport to the unknown. Let's Talk Soul, diving into the depths of the human spirit. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Electric Acid.